Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this beautiful universe filled with light, positivity, and love, I hope that you're able to rise above and realize that the things we have always been taught were bad aren't really bad at all. Most of the things anyway. I wanted to bring this up because there was a talk I was watching on Gaia on cosmic disclosure and something that the interviewee said struck me. He said that we are just raised to believe that things like um, death is bad and we should fear it and it's actually really just a gift that and of course I would glom onto that one statement being the archangel of death (laughs) yeah I'm not bad guys don't fear me don't fear the reaper (laughs) but um but I just noticed that (laughs) like oh yeah totally true but death is not bad it is a gift from the cosmological universe It's a gift from the divine, the source, the force, (laughs) the universe itself gives us the gift of death so we could go somewhere, relax, take a long breather, and we don't have to come back if we don't want to. You know, school's not always going to be in session. And this here is school where we are. And so so I was thinking about this, what he said, and I was like, you know what? Nothing is really bad, and we were taught by various uh, installations, is the word he used. I might want to say institutions uh, from parent, parental institutions, I suppose. Parents, parenting <laughs> installations, you know, parental units, <laughs> or from the government, or teachers, or priests, pastors, ministers, reverends, blah, blah, blah. We are taught that sex is wrong. Sex is dirty. Don't have any sex. Um, you know, little kids were tucked in bed at night, tucked in all the way with their arms on the outside of the covers lest they touch themselves in the middle of the night and feel some sort of pleasure. Uh, that's why parents start tucking children in. And I don't know if your parents did this, probably not. But I would have to say that maybe <clears throat> my parents were tucked in all the way, or maybe their parents were. And it's kind of lacked, you know, the vigor or rigor, (laughs) the rigorous measures as it used to be. But I've seen um, old movies where little girls and little boys are tucked in to bed. Okay, let me tuck you in. And like, okay, hands up over your head. Okay. And then they tuck them in where the sheets and the blankets are shoved all the way around them from their armpits all the way around their feet you know, all the way down and all the way up. So they are, can't move and they're tucked in. 
And I don't think that was meant to make kids feel safe. I think it was meant to prevent sexual pleasure, exploration, masturbation, all of that. I was never a part of a church that talked about this, but I had a dear friend named Crystal and Crystal, when I was in high school, she was talking about how they were talking about masturbation. And I did, I think one time hear them talking about thou shalt not spill your seed upon the ground. Right. And when I heard that, what I thought was, yeah, don't spill your seeds, dude, you know, plant, you know, put holes in the ground and plant the rows and, and, you know, put your seeds in accordingly. You know, it'd be stupid to waste your seeds, putting them all in one place because only one plant's going to grow and choke out the rest. Right. So that's, I'm thinking like little seeds. And then someone told me that that meant, um, masturbation, you know, don't just, which I don't know. Did they, in the olden days, you know, before people had socks or (laughs) napkins or washcloths or, you know, uh, running water in their house, did they just masturbate outside and spill it all over the ground? I mean, that's kind of weird, right? I don't know. I don't want to know, honestly, but it's weird. But that's the quote from the Bible. Don't do that, right? So I think it might have been actual seeds, but I don't know. I didn't see the rest of the, you know, the context in which, you know, when people pull out random quotes in the Bible and then they go, well, this definitely means this. And they don't elaborate on what was happening before that verse and after that verse and what the context means in the historical um, way and, you know, what the word in English was translated from and what that word could also mean. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's just a million in one interpretations, but for whatever reason that became like evil, especially in Catholic families and a lot of Christian families as well, puritanical, you know, any kind of sex outside of marriage, you know, it's like, that's really horrible, you know, in, in, in the, like adultery means like to the layperson who hasn't studied the Akashic records of Jesus, the Christ, the adultery means having sex with somebody's uh, husband or wife, or, you know, you having sex outside of your marriage, obviously don't do any of those things. That is like really, really wrong. It That's part of what breaks down a society, right? Whether that society is like a small close knit community or, you know, a city, but if a lot of people are doing that, it's just going to break down. Everything's going to, all hell's going to break loose. Basically it's just chaos, you know, pandemonium as you were, as it, it is, but okay. So, you know, adultery is really, um, sleeping with anybody that's not the one that God created for you. What God has joined together, no man can put asunder. It's always going to be there. That person is your twin flame and you're already married to them. There's no earthly marriage on this planet that's going to ever supersede what God has made for you. Your divine right wife is always going to be your divine right wife. I have a friend who got mad at her twin flame said, well, I've cut all those cords and ties. It's over. And it's like, no, it's not over. That's like saying that your leg cut off its toe because it had an ingrown nail. I mean, it's like, that's impossible, you know, cause you can't just cut out half of your soul because you're angry. This half of your soul is angry at that half of your soul. It, it's insane. It's complete insanity. You know, I tried to explain this to my friend and my friend says, well, 
I cut the, you know, the emotional parts and the other parts and the other part. I'm like, you literally cannot cut yourself off from yourself. (laughs) You know, as angry as you get. I mean, what that tells me is you're not ready for a relationship. This person anyway, you keep pushing them away and they're going to keep going away. And then when you do get back together, when they do go away again, you're all angry and up in arms, but you're the one that started the push. I'm going to push you and then I'm going to pull me. I'm going to push you away. Then I'm going to step back and you're going to push me away. And Then I'm going to, you know, it, it, it's like you're doing a little dance. You're not making any love. You're not getting down tonight if you're pushing each other away. <laughs> it cracks me up in a way just to watch it. I'm like, damn. Wow. Because like I haven't thought one second of my life that I want to push my twin flame away. I've always thought I really want when he's ready, I want him in my life completely from day one. I just feel like we're going to get along and be perfect together. Like it's just going to be, Oh, thank God you're, you're finally here. You know, that law of assumption, you know, just, I think about, 10 years from now after we're together it's like what's that going to feel like and it's like oh man oh, it's incredible we're just so happy I've seen him a little bit older than where he is now and you know we've already been together like a while like a long while and we're teaching our grandkids how to swim and it's just like damn this is like so incredible like who knew life could be this simple and yet so beautiful. But anyway, so I was thinking about, so sex is not a bad thing. It's just that adultery means if you're sleeping with anyone other than your twin flame, but everything seems to have gotten so screwed up anyway. So just do your best. If you're married to someone who's not your twin flame, just make the most of it. And you know, it it is what it is. And you might not be on the twin flame journey and not everyone is. So it's like ridiculous to expect that you're not going to want to have that, um, loving comfort, you know, from another human adult. Right. So sex is not necessarily dirty or bad. Okay. It's just, it's just, we're taught that so that we feel ashamed of ourselves. We put, put ourselves in that idea of being ashamed. Then we're fearful. God's going to be mad at us. And then we feel guilty And then it just puts us in a downward spiral where we can never, ever experience the higher vibrational nature of our personal beings, of our multidimensional selves, or of our emotional nature. Another one of these is the fearing of death, of course. Um, Don't fear me. (laughs) Don't fear the reaper, guys. Just don't be afraid of death. It's, It's this beautiful doorway that opens and you go there, you go back to our heaven, which is in like the seventh dimension. And it's just like, it's such a big, big relief. I have a house there with a friend of mine and we leave each other things there. We leave each other little gifts. So I'll show up one day and there'll be like a white wolf and I'll go another day and there's like a white eagle. And I think I brought him some white birds. Like we bring each other white animals. I don't know why. It's just a thing. It's an aesthetic. Like the inside of our house is like um, 
turquoise and then we have all these white creatures and they all hang out and talk and think we have like a white cat they all get along because you know animals in heaven don't have any animosity towards each other or anyone so everything is all hunky-dory I think there's a white tiger in there too (laughs) we're just like inviting all the white animals hey come on in live in our house you could hang out here go anywhere you want because it's heaven and when we come here though just come visit us and so here's your little fun cool you know safe hangout kind of place I don't know why he and I do that but we've had a lot of dreams together where we do that I think it's quite hilarious actually but um but I have another like old white farmhouse on land and every now and again here on earth I'll see a picture of this kind of a property that has like a lot of lush dark green trees and a bright spring green kind of colored lawn that's a little bit you know like the grass is a little bit longer um than normal and it's um lush you know but maybe the house itself is a little bit like a hundred years old like a little bit falling apart some of the paint might be peeling and there's like an attic and I and I and I go to this attic sometimes I dream that I'm there and I go to the attic and I open it up and there's like all the beautiful dresses and gowns that I've worn throughout all my lifetimes and it's one of the most beautiful dreams when I dream about going there it's like yeah I really love being here you know it's so comforting and and peaceful and it's my home sometimes I wonder where my family is and then you know, if any of my family who I'm wondering about it has died, they will show up and go, Hey, I'm here. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Oh yeah. Duh, you are here. You know, it's comforting. It's a comforting place. Being in heaven is a very, very comforting place. And more recently I, there's a brand new castle that my um, twin flame and I built. And so we have a, a castle to live in, to be together. in um, when we pass from this life, I don't know if it's something that we earned. I don't know how that works or if it's just something that we decided to build together, you know, because we've been talking in other, um, you know, in other realms when we're asleep. But we built this beautiful castle and we have a lady there who's taking care of it and kind of fixing it up just because she wants to because it's kind of a fun thing for for her, you know. No one gets paid any money. It's not like we're paying her. It's not like she's a servant or anything like that it's just she's like I want to be the caretaker I'm like yeah cool she's like you know then I get to hang out here I'm like yeah that's fine with me you know it was kind of a fun dream I had um you know a while back but um but death in and of itself is just beautiful wonderful experience like the death itself usually um you get popped out of your body right before um the impact of the death itself so it doesn't really hurt or if it hurts it's just for a, a one you know, minute moment followed by this magical moment of absolute pure bliss and freedom. And, oh, thank God that's over. You know, hopping out of your body. It's like, and it's more so than, than astral projection. I mean, when you, when your soul no longer is anchored down into your body, it's over. Like your soul is not squeezed into your body. It doesn't live inside your body. Your body lives inside the energy of your soul. Your soul is massive. It's so big. And so what happens is um, when you have near-death experience or when you actually die, your soul just like unhooks itself to this body and bye. 
it's not really a flesh suit that we wear over the soul. Like some people say, that's not how it works. It's just your soul is all around your body and kind of is anchored into it. And then, you know, it just unhooks it. And then it's just, I'm out here, y'all. Another thing that uh, we have been taught is, uh, should be feared and dreaded and, you know, is the fear of, of getting sick. Being sick is bad. I have heard people say that they were raised to believe that being sick is a weakness. It's a mental and emotional weakness. Sometimes it might be a physical weakness, but you have a physical weakness because you're emotionally and mentally weak. And if they got sick, they would get uh, beat up by their parents. Um, or they would lose all the attention of their parents because they were too weak mentally or emotionally to garner any attention or love from their parents. So the parents withheld love because of, uh, on account of them being sick. Like that's in and of itself, that is mentally sick to, to do that to your child. But I have met people that as grown adults, they thought that that was a weakness. I had one boyfriend who believed that. And every time I got sick, that's all I would hear the whole time. I'm like having an asthma attack, trying to, to survive saying, I think I need to go to hospital. No, you don't. You need to have a strong mental will. Like I'm going to fucking die. I need to go to the hospital. No, you, you need to strengthen your will, force it into your body. The idea that you're going to live. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm calling the ambulance right now. You know, okay, fine. I'll drive you. Jeez, geez, Louise trying something here. You know, it's like, oh my God, you know, um, being sick in and of itself is an experience. It's not bad. It's not necessarily good, but it's also not bad. It's just, it is what it is. It's a weird experience. It's just an experience, but we're taught that it's somehow our fault if we get sick and some of the sicknesses we have, like I have asthma cause I chose it. It's part of the, what I chose. I have a lot of things that I chose, things that I will overcome, things that I will live with forever. Um, things that are, are helping me burn off karma from past lives and things that I chose just because I chose to be born to this family line. And unfortunately it's just part of what's going on in the family line, you know, genetically speaking, you know, on a DNA level. And if my ET friends wish to heal me or fix me, they will. But it's not necessarily bad to be sick, and it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, it might be a germ. Maybe it might be your fault if you didn't wash your hands, you didn't wear a mask. And I don't even mean COVID. I just mean maybe this entire time, you know, the past 30, 40, 50, 80, 120 years, you might, you might have wanted to consider wearing a mask outside, you know? Um, it's just that, you know, people didn't think about it until the pandemic. You know, I guess the the Spanish flu of 1918 wasn't that big of a deal, you know, enough to make people believe that maybe they should wear a mask from now on, (laughs) you know, we had all those narcissists throwing themselves against the wall and laying on the ground and screaming and crying and shaking their fists at at the sky and kicking anyone that would walk by them because they didn't want to wear a mask because they're face is what they use to manipulate people. You know, I just thought it was hilarious. I'm like, wow, so many, so many examples of that during the pandemic. That was the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. It was at, it was both entertaining and hilarious 
and also completely mortifying. I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, you know, we're not going to end in fire or ice, but rather a vat of insanity. (laughs) Oh God. So I just, I was just thinking about all this stuff though. I mean, you know, being sick now, now some sickness, um, is like something that develops in your body. That's not necessarily, you know, like a germ or a microbe, um, you know, like the big C, you know, a lot of people get that. Um, and sometimes people will judge you. Oh, maybe you're just, you're, it's your fault. You're negative. You're bad. It's a bad thing to have. I don't want to know you anymore. You know, it's too bad. I just don't want to have such negative energy. And I'm one of those people. I think that, you know, having cancer is very negative. It's like, how the fuck did this get here? You know? And I, I had it for three whole weeks for 20 days, actually. And on the 21st day I was healed. Um, I had a a cure from, um, Peru, but the whole time I'm like, what the fuck? How did I? And I started going backwards to my mind. Okay. Where's this negative shit? in my mind, in my subconscious. And I found it. I found that it was resentful anger, um, absolute rage at my ex-husband. And that's how, that's why I developed. And that's what my subconscious mind brought up. And I'm like, Oh, I do need to forgive him. And I need to forgive myself for that. So I went through deep healing, um, emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And then I did the physical thing. And also when I wasn't doing that deep healing, I would sit and watch movies, make me laugh. I refrained from sugar at that time. I refrained from fried foods at that time. I did very, um, my very level best to eat extremely healthy and go to bed on time. And I actually went on little walks and I did some little bit of exercise, went out in the sun, you know, took my vitamins. I did everything right for 20 days. And apparently on, you know, on the 21st day I woke up and I'm like, Oh, I actually woke up with a lot of energy and I just felt like I'm, I'm healed now. And, and all the tumors were gone and it was just better. And I thought, well, okay, that was cool. Good to know. I hope that this recipe works for the rest of my life. It, I know it works for other diseases and other things. And it would just work just to clear out your, whatever, you know, your blood system anyway, just because you freaking felt like it, you know, not because you have a reason, you know, um, but those kinds of experiences, there's so many reasons why people would get cancer or any major diseases that are progressive or sometimes it's an accident. You get exposed to a chemical. Sometimes it's genetic and you're like, oh shit, I forgot this was in the family line. Sometimes it is what you eat. Sometimes it is what you're exposed to, you know, cause you work in a factory or live under a power line or whatever. And sometimes it's what you chose before you got here. You know, um, sometimes it's because you're working off karma. Sometimes it's because it's your exit point. This is what you decided to do. It's your exit strategy. You want to die from this. And as a result, the people around you, are going to have to take care of you and you're going to tell jokes and you're going to be positive. You're going to make people laugh and you're going to give people a different perspective of death. And you're going to give them a different perspective of being sick. 
you know, maybe that's the purpose, right? I'm not gonna say you and I don't want to curse anybody. So, you know, cancel that thought. I don't mean for anybody to ever get sick, but if a person does have this, it may be because that's how they decided to leave. My cousin had it. I think that's how she decided to leave. And she was a very funny, hilarious, positive, amazing person. Broke my heart when she passed. She was one of my most favorite people. My cousin Charlotte, she didn't die of cancer. She died of um, lung issues. So lung, excuse me, lung. I say that and then uh, immediately I can't breathe, right? Yeah, she was on oxygen for many years. I love her so much too. God rest her soul. God rest their souls. My mom died of... um, she died of heart failure at the time though she did have cancer and lung issues and diabetes she had a lot of stuff she took a lot of shit with her you know she brought a lot of stuff here to have to get rid of karma I think you know it's very sad my dad god bless him he's still alive he has congestive heart failure although hopefully he's gotten better I don't know but I guess it's what happens when you smoke for a long time. That's one of the things at least that could happen. So, you know, but you know, a lot of people smoke for a hundred years and nothing ever happens. It's like, nah, fine. You know, a friend of mine just got COVID and they said, you know, it's a good thing that you have been a smoker because your lungs were used to, you know, a certain level of, I guess, damage or something or had scar tissue or something. And it wasn't, wasn't as bad as it could have been. So, Hey, and she already had, you know, some shots, so it was going to be lessened anyway, but supposedly. I don't know if they actually work or not. I don't know. God has somehow protected me or prevented me from getting the shots. Every time I went in, they, you know, oh, this week is a scandal. There aren't no shots. They're just saline solution. And, oh, now there's a scandal. There's no, you know no shots because they were all you know like a million dollars of the shots went you know missing they were stolen and you know oh you can't go because you're not um over you know 65 years old or you can't go because you're not ecuadorian and now finally you could go if you're you know american and over 65 you gotta wait and then it's like oh you gotta be over 55 now oh shit okay and then finally it was like well now you gotta be a little kid oh and then now you can finally go with your age well now i'm leaving <laughs> you know get to the coast. You didn't get a shot yet. It's like, no, Oh, we don't have any. We'll call you when we do. And you know what? A year and a half later, they haven't freaking called me. They don't have anything. I called many times. They just got tired of answering me. It's like, okay. You know, God just doesn't want me to have the shot. I don't know why it's weird. (laughs) It's really, really freaking weird. But a lot of um, things that we think are bad, just really they aren't I mean nothing is bad or good everything just is like when when um, unfortunate circumstances happened where I was, go- I was supposed to move in with my friend um, with my kids my kids were going to have their own bedroom and I was going to try to be this man's uh, temporary wife in a muta marriage it's a thing in Islam that you could just kind of do a practice run, you know, three months. And at the end of the Muta marriage, you can renew one time and you make the terms. It could be up to a year or something. But if, um, 
the end of that muta marriage, it doesn't work out. You have to part ways. And at the end of that marriage, the second one, if it does work out, then you have to get married. That's just Islamic law. I mean, if you live within the confines of that religion, right? Which I don't, you know, I am Muslim, but I'm not ultra strict or anything, but I like the idea of it. I think it's, it's kind of like a temporary marriage license. We'll see if it takes, <laughs> you know, I think all marriage should be like this. So we were going to do that. And I get there to his house and, um, he's not answering his phone. He's not answering his door. There's one light on, but all the lights in his apartment are off and there's blood all over the sidewalk. And I waited for three days outside his house and he never came home. I'm like, oh shit, something happened. I don't know what, I don't think he's dead, but something happened. So we ended up getting a room in a house in another, um, a city there in the Bay area. And after three and a half weeks, I finally hear from him. He says, I just came out of a coma. I was hit by a car. I I knew you're going to be here soon. And I, um, I ran out, I was going to get you $200 so you could buy groceries for the family, for us, for your kids and for me. And um, I was going to get you some red roses and some champagne to celebrate our first night of our Muta marriage. And this is like somebody I talked to for two years before I even decided to take the plunge and go meet him in person. And, you know, and I always had a backup plan. Well, we've got a car, we can live in the car. We could go, you know, go find another place. You know, I had money. It wasn't like I was super desperate, but when I moved, I only had like $50 in my bank account. That was all I had. Cause I was waiting to get paid two days later, you know, three days later, actually. So I was like, um, it was a little bit of a tense situation for three days, but, um, it was like a crazy thing. It was like, wow. I think God protected me. I don't think he was going to be a very good person. Good looking though. Holy shit. Such a beautiful person physically, but maybe he wasn't so much on the other levels. Right? So this guy said he was going to go get money and a dozen roses for me. Gets hit by a car, breaks every bone in his body. I told you guys, I am whom God helps. (laughs) I don't know if he had plans for me that were horrible. I don't know what was going on there, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Every bone in his body and he was in a coma for three and a half weeks. Don't fuck with me guys. I'm just telling you (laughs) fair warning. Shit, man. Oh man, it was really scary. And, and, and he's like, I don't want you to see me like this. This is embarrassing. And I'm, I can't believe this shit happened to me. I'm ugly. He's like, I've got my whole face is wrapped up in bandages. I've got a cast on every limb. You know, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. He's like, this is like the most embarrassing thing I've ever gone through. You know, and he couldn't even type me for a while. And then finally he was like able to type, you know, he's like, I'm finally able to move my limbs or move my arms close to each other to his hands weren't broken, but it was like, I think he broke like, um, like he had both his arms were in casts in two different places. His legs were in casts. It was horrible. I was like, holy shit. Maybe not really every bone in his body, but it was like many, like 12 bones or something like his ribs. Oh man. It was just like, (sighs) You know, he had surgeries. It was just horrible, you know, but 
as a result, my kids and I ended up homeless. And, you know, I thought, oh, this is bad. This is so bad. I don't know what to do. I didn't have any money. I was so embarrassed. I was telling my friends and they're like, we don't know what to to tell you to help you. I don't know anyone over there. I'm like, shit, you know, didn't have enough gas to drive away from that neighborhood. So we just kind of parked in front of his house every day for three days. Like what happened? You know, I watched as the fresh red blood turned brown over three days. Like I know it wasn't, it was fresh when I got there and it was old when I left creepy. It was just, Oh my God. And he described it exactly like his explanation was like, you know, right in front of my house, the car came up on the, it was a drunk driver came right up onto the sidewalk. And then he drove me to the hospital cause he felt bad. He drove drunk to the hospital. We're lucky we're alive. And it was just, he's like, I kept passing out on the way to the hospital and coming back around. And then by the time I got there, there was so much pressure and swelling in my brain. I just slipped into a coma for three and a half weeks. I was like, oh my God. It was consistent. His story was consistent with the blood that I found all over the sidewalks. I'm like, all right, I believe you. This marriage never should have happened. And it's a good thing it didn't, apparently. God doesn't want this to happen. But anyway, when, when I look back on that and how guilty I felt, and then we had a place for six months and then the people in the place said, all right, you got a week to get out. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It took me weeks to find that place. It took me like two weeks to find that place because I was writing to people constantly, like for eight hours a day, I was going through all the different ads and all the different areas looking for a room and a house so my kids and I could have a place to live and not one like like they were the only ones who said well we don't really we already have a kid I don't know it was like too many people three people in the room I don't know if we're able to do it like I had to talk to them I just burst out in tears and I cried I said for for two weeks I've been eight hours a day looking for a place to live completely stressed out at my wits end. I'd like to get a place before school starts so I could put my kids in school because the Bay Area schools are better. And they said, okay, we'll let you live here. And then right before school started, they said, okay, you have a week to leave. And not just to me, to everyone in the whole house. We're now, you've given us enough money for repairs. We're gonna repair the place and sell it. We're gonna get $650,000 for it. We're really excited. We bought the house for like 100,000 10 years ago. I'm like, oh my God. They were just using us. And, and the person was a school teacher, the, the owner. I was like, dude, you know, but here we are homeless again. So I was homeless in the Bay Area um, for like six weeks. It's so easy to become homeless in the Bay Area, unfortunately. Both my kids moved there. Both became homeless right away. Thank you, God, knock on wood. They remain in their apartments they're in right now. But it, but it, it took my um, oldest four years to get a place. And my youngest um, it took like a year and a half to get a place and he and in five years he may get kicked out of where he is actually he says they said we give you this free apartment absolutely free no rent rent free for five years and he's like after five years I don't know what the hell's gonna happen he's like I may end up on the street again so fuck you know but when you know they both called me and, and we're talking about it they're like, yeah, it's like, we've had this chronic homelessness issue. You know, it's happened several times when we were kids and now as adults, you know, it's happened. 
you know, and I, and I apologized to them. I'm like, this was like so bad. And they said, but you know what, mom, I'm not gonna lie. They said homelessness is supposed to be so bad. It was one of the happiest parts of my childhood, you know, just dodging the cops and, and, and hiding under the covers in the back seat. And as a family being all cozy and singing songs together and you made it, even though it was a, a sad situation, you made it feel so good for us because you made us feel loved and cared for. That's what my, both of my kids told me that at different times, you know, along those lines. And I was like, Oh my God. I mean, I loved it too. I had a great time. You know, we went to, um, we had different restaurants we go to, we'd stay till three in the morning or four, whenever they close, then we'd go back in the car, you know? So we'd have, we'd have places, we'd have different places we'd go to. Like we go to one place, they close at, you know, nine or 10. And then we go to the next place that closes at midnight. Then we go to the next place and it closes at four in the morning, you know, and those places didn't know that we didn't have a place to live. They just knew that we we're regular customers and they appreciated us. And we, brought some fun to the atmosphere you know we were always part of it you know these are like coffee houses you know and there's a lot of other people there's a guy that a, a, a Berkeley professor that hangs out with his chessboard waiting for anybody who wants to play chess so we would go hang out with him and he was really smart I think he had a degree in or I think he was a PhD in physics or something and we'd kick it with him and he taught my my son how to play chess you know, so it's not like we were just slacking and doing nothing. I was on the computer looking for a freaking place to live, you know, and then once I got a place to live, I was looking for a freaking job and I couldn't find a job. It was ridiculous. It was all just super ridiculous. I just living there, I loved it, but also, you know, I didn't, I didn't love it that much because it was so unstable and uncertain and it was just expensive as hell, you know, but homelessness is one of those things we were taught. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. But you know what? It, it, it actually was a happy memory for me. Weirdly enough, it was a happy memory for me. I lived through it. I survived it. I'm fucking strong now. So I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? I mean, maybe I could have, you know, planned my life a little better. Should not have uh, gone to try to live with this guy. I didn't know. You know, I was a little bit desperate at that moment, but um, I didn't know what else to do. And he's like, please, please just come like seriously for two years I've been longing for you and I'm like oh fuck whatever he might have been a narcissist might have been abusive I mean it's probably just as well that God you know threw a car at him <laughs> who the hell knows you know I just I was so weirded out by the instant I talked to him for until he got out of the hospital then I just blocked him and deleted him I, I, on all social media platforms I'm like I just can't even with this guy I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a reason God didn't want me to know this person, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of embarrassing that that's what I was going to do. It was right after my divorce and I was not in my right mind, but divorce is another one. People think the divorce is, is uh, really, really bad. Like, Ooh. And in some societies, people that divorce are very, very, um, shunned. In fact, even in our, in Western society, you know, if, if you go through a divorce, you're going to suddenly find out who your friends are. And even in your family members, you're going to see who truly loves you and who just was hanging out with you out of convenience. Cause you have, uh, you share DNA. And I found out quickly that I don't really have anybody on my side. There's only a handful of people, you know, out of 
a lot of people that I knew. There's only just a few people that remained at my side. Some people like immediately like kind of made a face and walked away from me and I never heard from them again when they heard that I was going, it was almost like, Oh, you're contagious with the divorce disease. Ew. And, and my friend was telling me she's going through divorce right now in Canada. And she said, yeah, it's weird. She's like, suddenly everyone's in, it's, it's an inconvenient time or they're suddenly super busy. People that would call me every day while I was married suddenly have zero time. And I know their lives did not change like at all. And, you know, in fact, some of these people have more time on their hands but none of it's for me because, you know, now I'm a social pariah and that's just what happens. But for the person, you know, going through the divorce, yeah, it sucks in the moment. But if you're in an unhappy situation and you leave, it's like, oh, it's like that freedom, (laughs) you know, the sun shines brighter, the air smells sweeter. I mean, food tastes better. It's just such a relief, you know, you know, not having to share the remote or choose what we eat every fucking day, you know, together. Like it's nice to make your own decisions. Sometimes it's nice to have that freedom and there's nothing wrong with it. People say it's bad. You know, people say it's bad to be single and it's really not. The single life is pretty damn good. You know, most of the time it's pretty damn good. You know, there are times when you want to be, you know, in a relationship and then there's, then there's times that you come to your senses and go, shit, it's actually pretty cool. I could choose whatever I want. I could go to bed tonight at nine o'clock at night and tomorrow I could go to bed at three o'clock in the morning and the next day I could stay up till seven in the morning the next day. Like, cause no one's going to tell me otherwise. It's kind of nice. You know, it's kind of lonely and sad sometimes, but it's not all that bad. So some people say, oh, well, being, you know, single at your age, that's the worst thing that can happen. (laughs) It's really not. Going to a restaurant alone, that's really bad. No, it's not. It gives you time to catch up on your reading. And it gives you time to observe other people. Super fun. And it's funny to watch other people observe you. I love that. (laughs) it's hilarious you know being judged is something oh it's so bad when people judge you my my or being rejected that's the worst right so my daughter and I uh, we said let's do an experiment let's go somewhere in a really nice neighborhood in Lima Peru and get a beer in the middle of the day because a lot of the people we came across in Peru were extremely angry, very judgmental, very rude. Not that all Peruvians are like that, not at all. But we did find that this was a trend, right? So we, so we, we said, let's not leave until we get 100 people to judge us. And we had a notebook so we could keep track. And we sat there for like maybe two or three hours. You know, there's a lot of people going by. We sat there with a beer in our hand, drinking our beer and laughing our asses off and uh, counting how many people rejected us. And a hundred people, it was like maybe two and a half to three hours, a hundred people rejected us. And we said, good. I said, how do you feel? Like when it first happened, we both felt really shitty about ourselves. Like, damn, that feel. And then we like, let's pay attention to this feeling. Yeah, this feels like shit. 
I hate this. This fucking feels like shit. And then when we got to the end of it and we're like, God, can 10 more people fucking reject, you know, judge us and reject us already. So we could go home already. Like we were laughing about like, come on, like people from cars would flip us off and yell at us. And we, and by the end we are, we were laughing our asses off. We don't give a fuck. We don't give a rat's ass. If we get rejected, if we get, Oh, Ooh, your opinion mattered so much to me. <laughs> like we would say, we would come up with all sorts of shit to say because it was hilarious after a while. Like in, at first it was very hurtful and at the end, it wasn't that we became numb to it, but it became, we came so used to it that we kind of developed that thick skin, that callus that you, that emotional callus that you kind of need to get through life. And it was a, a skill I wanted my oldest to have because she was very sensitive and, and sweet. And she still is, but now she doesn't give a rat's ass what people fucking think of her. You want to reject me? Ooh, I'm shaking in my boots. Whatever. Next. Yeah, she's got that, that tough attitude now. And I needed her to have that. So that's why we, I'm like, let's talk about it. What do you think about this, this idea? And she was very intel- intelligent. She's like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. What does it feel like to be rejected by a hundred people in a row? I'm like, I think if we do some day drinking (laughs) in the business district of Lima, we're going to fucking find out. (laughs) When people gave us like, I think someone like threw like a quarter at us once. We're like, like the equivalent of a proving quarter or, you know, or a dime or something. We just, (laughs) we just burst out laughing. It was just like, cool. Mas dinero por more cervezas. <laughs> or mas cervezas. You know, more money for more beer. I think we're like, you know, puta madre. Mas dinero por mas cerveza. Woo! <laughs> like, it was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it was just funny. It was like, yeah, give us more money. We need the more, the more beer money, you know? And we just, we weren't drunk at all. We were just pretending. We, we had like a beer, one beer each, like not ever, even a big beer, but we were pretending we were kind of like people would walk towards us. We kind of start to sway and start to laugh a lot because we were laughing at ourselves, pretending to be drunk. And it was hilarious. And people just thought we were drunk and we weren't. And we just wanted to see what people would you know, if they would reject us and they, and they did like, that's hilarious. We were using people's negative natures, um, to improve ourselves. So even when people are negative and you think that's a bad thing, it can actually be a positive thing to improve yourself, (laughs) to improve your life. You know, like the other day, somebody told me you're a very beautiful woman. And I said, cool. Thanks doesn't phase me one way or the other. I don't give a shit what you think about me. You know, someone, you know, someone says, I think you're fat or you're old. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm not here for your amusement. My body isn't here for your entertainment. I was, I'm not here to be approved of by your male gaze. You're not my true love. It doesn't matter to me. I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> you know, you think I'm ugly. You think I'm beautiful. I don't care. You think I'm smart. You think I'm dumb. I don't care. I've been rejected by a hundred business people in Peru. I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> it's just, it's like a really weird place to be when you try it sometime. It's really weird. You do some kind of weird thing in, in public, go somewhere where, you know, no one knows you. And, you know, so people can make an adequate as- assumption that you're a no good loser who day drinks. And it's so fucking funny. And it's so freeing once you feel like, I don't care what you think about me. You know, because I know that, I, you know, like if I did that today and, you know, they don't know that I'm no like the sixth top metaphysical podcast in the world right now. They don't know that I've put out almost 900 episodes of Metaphys- Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, or that I'm a shaman and I've healed thousands of people with my energy healing. They don't know that I've rescued over like around 200,000 ghosts spirits that were trapped here in this realm they don't know that I started the end of the world and their ass is grass unless they repent (laughs) oh god (laughs) sometimes it's good to be the queen of death (laughs) it's hilarious to me because it's just like yeah I don't give a shit man it's, it's, it's funny when you're free, like when you're so afraid of, oh, I might be homeless. Well, then you become homeless. You're like, it's kind of an adventure. You know, it's a little scary, but it's kind of fun. It's like, you kind of look back on those days with fondness, weirdly enough. You know, you get, you know, you get a horrible disease and then you overcome it. You're like, I'm kind of glad I did that. It's kind of weird. I'm, it, it was shitty at the time, but look at me now. How do you like me now? Hey, I've glowed up. I'm healthy. I got over that shit and I'm stronger for it. I'm a better person for it. It actually was a good thing, right? I mean, I have a friend like that. She's just like, yeah, she, she battled cancer for fucking like three years and she's healthy. Thank you, God. She's healthy. <laughs> and every day she does right by herself. She does everything. You know, she's like, I don't smoke. I stopped smoking when I got cancer. And I haven't smoked since. She's like, I smoke weed though. <laughs> Shrinks tumors. I, I do smoke weed. And now she just hangs with her cat, smokes weed. And, and just, you know, does her thing. You know, it's kind of cool. It's like one of those things like, yeah. So things that we think are bad aren't really bad. Masturbation releases stress. I mean, you know, when you complete, you know, it can reduce stress. Sex can reduce stress. It can bring you to a much uh, different place in your mind and give you a much different attitude and a positive outlook on life. And it can make you feel loved. It can make you feel alive and joy filled. You know, um, all the things that we were taught were bad really aren't. Death is not bad. You know, don't, don't check out before it's time because, you know, there's a lot of shit in this life that might be super fun that you're going to miss out on unless, you know, unless you stay, you got to stay, you got to stay. People need you here. There are people you don't even know who need you here. There are people in your future you might not know about that need you here right now, you know, so you got to stay. Don't check out early, but it's actually pretty exciting, you know, to see what else, what is, what's going to happen next? You know, I always think what's going to happen next? You know, just when you think your life is over because it can't get more boring, (laughs) more routine, and then suddenly something comes along and shakes you up. And that's not a bad thing. None of this is bad. You know, nothing in life is good or bad, really. It's just an experience. But 
the things that we always label as bad always turn out for our benefit because this is a light-filled cosmic universe that loves us. Anyway, it's just my two cents right now. All right, so here we go. Um, Spaceweather.com, let's get to it. The current solar wind speed is 310.8 kilometers per second. By the way, spaceweather.com is where we go to find out what's up in space and check out the news and information about the sun-earth environment. So, um, let's see here. The solar wind is incoming. It shall be here uh, manana. A high-speed stream of solar wind is approaching Earth uh, either the 8th or the 9th of December. The gaseous material is flowing from the canyon-shaped hole in the sun's atmosphere. Minor G1-class geomagnetic storms are possible when the solar wind arrives. There is a lunar occultation of Mars if you want to see it. There's some beautiful up-close images uh, taken. Oh, it's actually, I'm not, I'm lying. It's a movie created by graphic artist Larry Cohen. Not the famous film star or filmmaker, but spelled different. <laughs> um, is it Larry or is it Leonard? No, that's a, that, he's a music composer. Anyway, it's spelled different than all those. Anyway, no, NOAA forecasters say that there's a 40% chance of an M-class solar flare today. The most likely source would be Big Sunspot AR3153. Yeah, that, that's freaking massive. Sunspot number 123 is where we're at right now. There's a wild Chinese rocket video. <laughs> Holy shit, this is really crazy. Um... Yeah, if you want to go to spaceweather.com and check it out. Whoa. What a trip. China launched a, a mission for its young space program, Shenzhou 15. And the uh, spacecraft carried three astronauts to China's new Tiangong space station, where they're going to begin permanent occupation. Amateur astronomer Zheng Zhi was in Beijing when the ascending spacecraft flew overhead and he recorded this spectacular video. Damn, it's so cool. Whoa, it's it's really a trip. I can't even describe it other than it's purple. There's lights with purple streamers. It's so beautiful. You can see the planets and stars. Wow, there's Jupiter in the background. Holy shit, this is cool. Okay, I'm going to look at this later and trip out on it. But right now, we got to continue. Cosmic radiation coming our way from other than the sun um, is looked at and observed by the people, the good people in Finland that are at the Geophysical Observatory in the University of Ulu. And they say that right now the neutron counts coming our way are elevated at 2.2% of the space age average in the past 48 hours, it's gone up by 0.7%. So we are being a little bit radiated. And NASA's All Sky Cameras and the All Sky Fireball Network saw, and here's my magic number 17. <laughs> 17 fireballs. Here's my other magic, my other two magic numbers 10 sporadic, 5 sigma hydrids. Boy, 5 keeps coming up, 10 keeps coming up, 17 comes, keeps coming up. Earlier, the temperature was 71 degrees, and when that happened, I had 77% (laughs) on my uh, tablet. So, yeah, this is crazy. 
And oh, two are Geminids. So yeah, here we go. And two, two, two keeps coming up as well. It's just, it's like, sometimes it feels like we're in a simulation and it feels like my mind is <laughs> making all this happen. <laughs> um, and today is the 7th of December. Oh, happy birthday to my first husband, Tony. It's his birthday. A day that will live in infamy because he was born on this day. Oh, and also <laughs> World War II <laughs> was going on. And this was the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed. So God bless all the beautiful people of Hawaii and the descendants of those who witnessed that terrible, terrible day right now. Oh, here's my favorite, my other favorite number. <laughs> uh, I think, let me see. All right, we're going to go to disclosurenews.it right now and see what is going on with the uh, Schumann Resonance News. Normally it's 7.83 hertz, so we're going to see how significant above that it is, if at all. I'm waiting for the page to load. So yeah, I reloaded the page just to make sure, and I was right. It is. (laughs) Where's my number? (laughs) Coming out of Italy at disclosurenews.it. The uh, Schumann resonance was 13 hertz frequency. So it is statistically significant. Significant is just under uh, double what is normal. So next we go to HeartMouth Institute found at heartmouth.org and uh, org. So yeah, let's see here. Uh, so what was going on in the rest of the world? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Thank you, God, for this. Three of these are angel numbers. Maybe for you, definitely for me. So, Sunday, December 4th, at the hour 2300. I hope Saudi Arabia was at zero, staying on the mat as always. But here we go with the uh, magic numbers. In California, (laughs) where I'm from... 77 hertz frequency. Jeez. Oh, it's just so wonderful to see that number. 77 hertz frequency. Lithuania, it was 117 hertz frequency. In Alberta, Canada, the Schumann resonance was 92 hertz frequency. In Northland, New Zealand, it was 87 hertz frequency. Another seven. (laughs) And last but not least, in Hulului, South Africa, it was 200 and... 77 <laughs> hertz frequency. So, wow. So, yeah, so it's 77, 117, 87, and 277. Woo! I got some numbers to look up, guys. You could look it up in your angel number app or your angel number books or just on the internet. There's a bunch of websites that have all the numbers and what they mean. And, um, you know, the one that has the answer that resonates with you right now is the one that, that, you know, is meant for you. But whoo, this, all these numbers kept coming up for me right before I got married the first time, right before I got married the second time. And here we go again. I'm not even in a relationship yet, but I feel like, Ooh, that marriage is coming. I think it's my guy I'm already married to my divine twin flame. So, uh, you know, in perfect time and God's uh, perfect timing is now. So, I'm waiting. (laughs) All right. That's it. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to be channeling Lord Krishna right after this.
right, guys, if you've been listening to me for a while, for, you know, at least a season or two, if not all eight seasons, you would know that I am a telepathic channeler and I do not do direct channeling at all, meaning I don't leave my body and allow someone else to take over. That just freaks me out. So I just don't, don't do that. I don't want anyone to wear my sweater. Why would I want them to wear my body? (laughs) I just, I don't do that one. Um, So I use my God-given gift of telepathy to channel messages for you guys. And I try to um, make my vessel very clear so that I can hear what is being said to me. Sometimes it's delivered in a steady stream of words that I relay to you immediately. Whether I understand the meaning or not, I just give the words. And sometimes it'll be a packet of light that I have to unravel and figure out. Sometimes I'm not given only words, but also images. Sometimes I'm given um, colors or feelings and I have to unravel it. (laughs) So uh, it might take me a little bit longer. Sometimes if I don't hear a word correctly, I will um, use muscle testing and, and reiterate, ask, you know, hey, what was that again? You know, I'll figure it out. But, um, but we always get there somehow. I think the messages that come out through me are quite special. Um, they're not from me. They're from the person or, or being that I am telepathing with at the moment. So I looked up some things about Lord Krishna because I know that he is a Hindu deity He was the Christ that was born in India. And there's some things about him I did not know. So I'm going to tell you guys some of these things that maybe also you did not know about him. Well, he is the Hindu uh, deity that plays the flute. He has blue skin or is always pictured either as a baby, as Krishnamurti. That's his name as a baby or as Krishna. Uh, the grown adult man. Radha is his twin flame divine counterpart. Sometimes they are seen together in pictures in India. But this, uh, here's some of the the things that, uh, let's see, what does, what makes Lord Krishna happy? He is pleased by devotion. Um, Always think of me, become my devotee, worship me and offer your homage to me. But when it says worship me, he means whatever makes you happy is my happiness. Well, that's very sweet. So that's what's written uh, here. I think it's newindianexpress.com. I don't know that Lord Krishna standing right behind me. You do you want to be worshipped. He says, no. He says he's not the one true God. He tried to explain that, but people didn't quite get it. How can you attract Lord Krishna? It says between 4 and 6 a.m. Well, it's good. It's after 4 now, so. (laughs) Um, There's uh, different chants, you could say. But he played a flute, and I did not know. And check this out. The flute of Krishna, his flute 
still exists in this world. It is at the George Eastman Museum, which I I read that and that gave me the chills. I thought that was crazy. Um, Wow, just really, really wild to me. I did not know. It just brought things a little bit more to reality for me. He really was real. I always knew it, but now I know it more on <laughs> because his flutes in the museum. I know this sounds weird, but it, it's kind of a revelation to me, honestly. Um, Lord Krishna died due to the culmination of many curses. As the legend goes, Gandhari's curse on Krishna was that he would die with the entirety of his clan in 36 years. Uh, so that's a legend. Um, well, I hope Gandhari got his karma back on him. 30 million times 30 million. Amen. <laughs> How dare he? But uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to look at uh, some of these things. Look, seem a little weird. Um, let's see. Why is Lord Krishna blue? Um, um, it says mythology states that Lord Krishna drank poisoned milk given by Putana, the demoness, and hence his skin turned blue. And other mythological stories reveal that when Krishna entered a river to vanquish the serpent king, Kalinga, his skin turned blue due to the snake's venom. It's very strange. Uh, let's see. Can we see Lord Krishna? According to Krishna.com. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that he does not reveal himself to everyone. Most people in this material world have no interest in God. They don't want to see him. So for them, Lord Krishna is invisible. Only those who surrender to him in love can expect to see him in person. And then only by his good wishes. When Lord Krishna died, he was 125 years, eight months and seven days old. His date of death was the 18th of February, 3,102 years before Christ was born. 3102 B.C. And Lord Krishna is the God of protection, compassion, tenderness, and love. I do believe we got the compassion card yesterday. That's a fun synchronicity. I One of the readings I listened to also, I heard someone say something about having compassion. So that's wild. Um, so he, he is a Hindu God of protection, compassion, tenderness, and love. He is one of the most popular and widely revered among all Indian deities. So there we have it. All right, I'm going to pause this for a minute, find a decent picture of Lord Krishna. So I have a focus point just because I can. (laughs) And he's with me, behind me. I feel him. I love him very much. I've... uh, 
stood behind um I mean stood in front of a statue of him and I felt him with me then too when I was first um gained into self-realization fellowship and I was first interest you know interested in meditation and all that like serious meditation I'd been interested in meditation my whole life but it was about 25 years ago when I was really like all right, I want to learn it from this perspective. And it really, it did help me quite a bit uh, to do it through, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda's style. That's the only one that really kind of helped me get somewhere, if that makes sense. So I want to see if he has any quotes. Let's see. I'm just going to look up. Lord Krishna quotes and see what we get. There are three gates to self-destruction and hell. Lust, anger, and greed. That's one of his quotes. Another quote, another thing he said, the key to happiness is the reduction of desires. Another quote he said, a man is made by his beliefs as he believes, so he becomes. All right, one final quote before we get into the channeling. Do everything you have to do, but not with greed, not with ego, not with lust, not with envy, but with love, compassion, humility, and devotion. All right. So there you go. All right. I'm going to pause again, take a couple deep breaths and, and get more into the energy field of Lord Krishna and probably chant Om Namah Krishna (laughs) Um, and then I'll be right back and we're going to channel he said he's probably going to speak for about 35 minutes all right so Lord Krishna gave me a couple treatments and helped me um, clear out my aura my chakras and I did a little meditation first so now I'm kind of a little bit already in a daze (laughs) So here we go. Um, We're going to talk to this mighty avatar, Lord Krishna. (sighs) 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 Begin transmission. Hello to my fellow devotees and humans on the spiritual journey. It is I, Lord Krishna. I lived over 5,000 years ago. And I am still here to help humanity because our spiritual life never ends. And a great portion of our spiritual life is helping others to bring themselves up through 
the realms of the light and ascend with you. That is one of our spiritual and sacred duties when we ascend. Many of you are in the process of ascending or learning everything you need to learn in order to ascend. And because the planet herself is in an ascension phase, it's going to be quite easy for most of you to ascend along with her. If you ascend before the planet, you shall bring your mother earth Gaia with you. And if she shall ascend before you, she shall bring you with her. This is akin to being spiritual partners in this life. And we all are indeed one human family. And therefore we are bringing each other to the golden glory of the light, the beautiful higher vibrational energy field that will bring you to a point of realizing and bringing to fruition all of your desires that you wish to manifest. And what I have learned from all the time I spent in the 3D realm and beyond is that when you are in the 3D world, you are filled with much thoughts, many thoughts, much desires and thoughts of your desires and you wish for material things. You wish to be beautiful physically. You wish to have material wealth. You wish to secretly be the envy of your friends. I know what it's like very well. Even 5,000 years ago, it was the same. So when you're on this journey towards a fifth dimensional realm, you must drop much of your outward material thoughts and desires and create a world inside of you in which you are bringing together your desires to achieve Godhood inside your body. Your soul is already there. You are trying to achieve this while in the physical realm. And it is much debated over the centuries and yea, the millennia. It has been much debated as to what is the correct way to ascend. What is the correct way to meditate or focus on the light? And what I wish to say to you is whatever way works for you. There are a thousand petals on the beautiful lotus of ascension. And perhaps each petal has a different way of achieving said ascension. We wish to focus 
not so much on the material world, not so much on the ways of meditation, but finding one that is comfortable and using that as your focusing tool to achieve the real aim of ascending your body and mind and spirit and your emotions beyond the 3D realm. Your one true desire should be to know God. And in order to know God, you must cleanse yourself within and understand that you are God within. I have heard a relatively new phrase. Um, It's not from my time, but it is from your time that is quite appropriate cleanliness is next to godliness many people think this means to clean their homes which is for a wide variety of reasons a great idea but when they say this cleanliness is next to godliness I think of cleansing your aura and your chakras and cleansing your ethereal body, mental and emotional bodies, cleansing all of the meridian lines in your bioelectrical system. I see that cleanliness on a spiritual level is definitely akin to achieving that godliness within when we are in the upper realms as spiritual ascended masters and avatars, we are oftentimes looking into humanity. We have the equivalent of a window where we get to watch as it all unfolds. And if we see a certain individual or a group that is getting ready to ascend, we will immediately come and assist. If you feel that you are in need of this, or you wish to achieve this faster, or if you just need extra special blessings and you need protection, you only need call upon me. You don't need to chant the 108 times that some people do, although that is a great focusing tool. But all you need to do is call my name, Lord Krishna, and I will hear you. And you can ask for whatever you uh, need in that moment. We are more interested in helping you achieve godhood than delivering you your car of your dreams or the home of your dreams or the boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife of your dreams. We are mostly interested in devotionals, in helping you achieve your meditation. Uh, he's saying heightened. I don't understand what you mean. Oh, he. okay. I got it backwards. Uh, the height of your meditation. We help you to achieve the height of your meditation so that the next time you sit down to meditate, your base point is the height of that meditation and you will go higher 
And each time you meditate, we help you go higher. And we do this until you are in an enlightened state. And then we boost you up more and we give you even more light. It is not impossible to achieve enlightenment in this realm at this time. It is not impossible to achieve ascension in your physical body in this time. And we, and by we, he means um, what you consider gods and goddesses of India or ascended masters of all over the world. He says we're basically in the upper realm, the upper parts of the fifth dimension. All right. So he's kind of showing me something I'm not totally understanding right now. He's saying, he's showing me that when we go into the fifth dimension, we won't be still where the masters are. We're going to be, you know, in the lower part of it until we can continue to raise ourselves in vibration. Oh man. I'm having a lot of back pain suddenly. I know this probably means we're getting another storm tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if you guys heard. I'm like stretching my back and it just cracked a bunch of times. Okay. Hopefully it wasn't picked up by the audio, but in case you hear that, that's what that noise is. Wow. Yeah. I, every time I stretch, I can crack my back pretty good. (laughs) All right. Um, Many of you struggle to find a reason to meditate and universal consciousness is one of those reasons. We wish to show you that when you are in touch with the cosmic universe, meditation and life become a lot less boring. We know that when you have an end goal in mind and you don't understand what that end goal means, it can be quite confusing and daunting and it feels like you're wasting your time. When you sit down and think, I want universal enlightenment, and it just seems like a flat concept because you don't know what universal enlightenment would mean, even at all. And because of that, a lot of people do give up on their meditation journey and I do not appear or help many of the people starting off on their meditation journey because they're not serious and they're not planning on making it. Many people start the meditation journey by buying all of the um, material objects that go along with it, such as the pillow or the incense and they make the altar and they maybe buy paint and fabric and fix the meditation room up. And a lot of people do this before they really have achieved the mental and emotional discipline necessary for meditating properly to bring you to a state of higher awareness, enlightenment, and eventually bliss and ecstasy, which all lead to Godhood. 
So it's less important what your area looks like and more important how long you can hold your attention to your third eye. How long you can hold your attention to your crown chakra and how much you can live in an ever-present state of flowing meditative awareness even when you are not meditating. Your life is given to you by the one will that creates the universe and maintains the universe. Your gratitude for that alone is enough to carry you into the higher realms of blissful awareness that leads to the ecstatic states that leads to your godhood and the knowingness of what and who your soul truly is. Usually when meditation is spoken of, you think you're going to sit and chant on a pillow and you don't know the aim of it. So when I tell you the aim of it, you will be able to understand the roadmap by which you are traveling. You knew you were on the spiritual path. You just didn't know um, where was the path. You need to understand where on the map your spiritual path is. If you're a beginner, you're at the beginning of the route. And if you are halfway through and you're feeling like giving up because nothing's happened yet, if you could look at your map, you would see you're right there in the middle and you would not want to give up because you know you're almost there. So if we tell you that the first stages of meditation can be a little bit boring and uncomfortable and you question everything and you watch your thoughts and you are restless and a little bit upset that you are not doing something else. And if you're in that state, good. Keep going. After that, your body starts to relax and your mind starts to have that focus and mental discipline and your spirit starts to soar a little bit. And this is a good place to be because you know that at least you can now focus your mind. The next stage, you might get glimpses or feelings of internal peace. You might start to feel the beauty inside. You might start to feel a little bit more compassion and love for your fellow humans. You might start to have more awareness of other people's emotions when you look at them and when you're in the room with them, you might start to feel an insight as to who they are inside and what they're going through. And then you start to have compassion and love for them. And if they are angry or they are upset, you don't react to that except with the highest vibrational love that you can feel in the moment. And then the next step after that is when you sit down to meditate 
and you fall into an instant state of peace and bliss and eventually you start to see the light literally the light inside of your head pours through your third eye and it will fill your whole body and when you achieve this you now realize this is one of the reasons you were meditating in the first place this feeling of enlightenment this feeling of uh, spiritual oneness with all things this moment of deep and high compassion and this leads you to the next step which is communication with the divine feeling the divine knowing the divine no longer having any fear of the divine but wanting out of curiosity and deep respect and love wanting to know that energy that leads into the knowingness that you are that energy that energy is you and everybody is con uh, everybody is connected to one another through this energy and that is when you begin to rise above your energy levels will raise as well and you start to find yourself in a state of almost taking off the ground you're almost going to fly like a bird because your soul is leading the way and you're always in charge of that powerful energy that you learned and felt and grew in meditation in your spiritual garden you bring your energy to that one will that divine energy and then you devote your time your efforts your every waking moment to that powerful thought that you are one with the one will and when you see people you no longer feel afraid or angry or irritated or anything negative or lower vibration you only think I hope I can bless them by my presence and you ask divine to bless them and when you go through life in this state of mind is when you are living in at the height of peace compassion awareness spiritual enlightenment and love and this leads to pure unity consciousness where you start to see every person as you we heard of in in our realm we heard of a new saying that some people have said that everybody is you pushed out we don't understand so much the pushed out part but unless it means pushed out from yourself which is confusing because it talks of separation even though it's supposed to speak of unity we like to have a more clear and precise definition of this so we say everyone is you and you are everyone everyone is one and you are every one and when you say the word everyone you think of 
each individual one. But when we say everyone, we mean that everyone is one. There is only one. That is the highest level that you can achieve. And eventually the energy and the power of that one will will flow through you and you will no longer worry or care about the material world. That is your roadmap. This is your roadmap to success along the spiritual path. I do not appear to all the people that are seeking because many people are what we've heard in your culture. Again, looky lose the people who think, Oh, that sounds like fun. I want to achieve spiritual enlightenment or I'm interested in knowing about other realms. But then after a while, they peter out in their meditation and they don't have the interest or ability to continue and move on with it. So we don't really appear to people who are not going to have that stick to and the intuition that the best is yet to come. We are helping you every day in every way, even though we're not appearing before you. We're sending everybody who cares about their spirituality, cares about their family and their friends, and cares about themselves. Everybody who can possibly benefit from our energy field, we will visit, we will send love and light energy so that you can achieve the next level no matter where you are on this level or what level you're on. We are continuously beaming love and light and we also deflect the energy of the sun and we beam it to various parts on the earth as well. This is a current avatar project. We can see the most dense energies and where where they are and what needs to be done about breaking them up so that the people in an area can feel um, that happiness at least, that enlightenment at most, and the higher vibrational God that is coming through all of you. Through the sun comes the... I'm hearing the word Shakti. Is that correct? Okay. Through the sun comes Shakti energy that you can eat and consume with your third eye. You can bring it into your heart to warm up your body. You can bring it through the energy centers, your chakras. When you work with the sun, that energy of the sun is brought into your uh, physical body and distributed throughout your mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. And when you bring in the light from the sun, you are bringing light, enlightenment. When you do this, you are participating in a dance of oneness 
when you stand before the sun and are consciously aware of it, you begin to feel the energy of that sun inside you swirling about. When you do this, you can see and feel and know your own power, your own strength. It will help you have the self-esteem and it will help you achieve anything else that you want in life. Because once you become spiritually disciplined, the world is at your feet. Once you don't care about the material world is pretty much when you will be able to walk among your fellow man and constantly feel the bliss of a thousand suns burning inside you even if it's a cloudy rainy day once you achieve that energy from the sun that enlightenment energy there really will be no going back and then you are on the point of no return once you get to that level and once you stop caring what other people think once you start seeing everybody as special and precious even if they're displaying flawed behavior or less than perfect behavior you still see the godhood inside of them once you've achieved enlightenment that is the ultimate feeling love and compassion for others and then instead of focusing on yourself and your meditation you then focus outward on others and you think I will bless all these people if I can I want to be with them because they are me and I am them and together we're going to achieve something really great which is ascension of all humankind we wish this with all of our collective hearts all of the avatars that gather together to figure out how best to help humanity we're sending you love and light we're sending you healing energy we're sending you knowledge and wisdom those of you who have the ability to pick up on it it's there right when you need it we're sending you self-esteem and self-confidence we're sending you feelings of self-worthiness we're sending you love compassion beauty and joy and we send you the scent of oranges and the opening of thousand petal lotuses we send you the energy of riches and luxury we send you beauty and because all these things even though they might seem shallow at first once you realize that the beauty in this world is meant to raise and elevate your mind and your heart your body and your soul because once your mind raises up and your emotional body raises up your physical body automatically 
raises up too. When you are in a relationship with somebody that you are married to or in a close partnership with, if you don't see that person as your divine partner, if you don't see that person as a spark of the great divine, and you think this about yourself, then that becomes a point of breakdown in the relationship. So even if that person is not spiritually inclined, even if that person is not open-minded or open-hearted, when you see that light inside of them, that is that Christ light that you have within, you start to shift and change your perception so radically that you will enlighten them just by being in their presence. The moment you become very enlightened and you're starting to achieve the higher levels of this roadmap that we have provided for you, once you have achieved these, or at least the beginning part of these, you're going to help all the people in your immediate vicinity, whether you're walking into a pet store or a grocery store or walking down the street or sitting in a classroom or sitting in a, a church or a gathering of some sort, even sitting at a parade, you're going to radiate love and light in all directions. And the people around you might not be aware of what's happening, but they are going to notice that they feel a little lighter, a little happier a little more relaxed when they're around you. Your friends who may or may not be on the spiritual journey will also notice these things as well. We wish for you to keep going, especially if you're just beginning, because the best is yet to come. The best times are yet to come. You are on your path well on your way to achieving real ascension in this lifetime. I am Lord Krishna. I have been here over 5,000 years. Though my physical body died, my spirit remains as an avatar helper as a enlightenment director <laughs> he showed me a cruise ship director kind of threw me for a minute <laughs> like the SS enlightenment <laughs> he showed me this cruise he says I'm kind of like this you know yeah exactly like he's in charge of the whole thing all the other masters all the ascended masters they're working together for um, various points on the on the earth so no matter where you are you are he's telling me that you're going to be able to access at least the energy of him but if you are not serious and you don't make the constant consistent effort daily he may not be willing to help you 
as much, although he is, he's telling me that he's sending like a general blanket of energy to us. But if you need individual help with him, you must, you know, achieve a certain level on your own. Is what he's saying. You have to learn your discipline, learn your practice, stick with it, no matter what. Understand that your body is going to rebel. Your mind is going to try to rebel. Your emotions are going to try to rebel. That's what he's telling me that even though all these things happen, eventually you achieve a state of mental discipline. And that does indeed lead to the state of enlightenment, which eventually leads to the state of ascension, which is the ultimate goal on this planet. So he's saying, um, I think that is all for now. I am Lord Krishna. I send everyone listening to this the greatest amount of joy, peace, love, and happiness that the upper realms have to offer. I am grateful to have you here to listen to this message and I'm grateful even more for your willingness to learn how to achieve the greatest feat that man ever experienced I am the Lord Krishna I bow with the God in me I bow to the God in you, I send you my ultimate love. I send you the energy of enlightenment. If you wish to receive more from me, I am sending it to you. He's saying through, there's a portal through my voice. Wow. All right, that got deep for a minute. I started to transcend for a second. I'm like leaving my body. and he, He's saying that through my voice, through this recording, he is sending a portal in which he is beaming you love, light, happiness, success, prosperity, money. It's, it's like the Reverend Ike chant that he found in my brain. So this is why he's saying this. So um, he's sending... All of your material desires met energy. He's sending just a powerful love that is, he says there's passive love and active love. And he will send the active love to you when you're ready. But right now, if you're in the beginning stages, he's sending you the passive love where you just sit in the energy of love and you focus on your own love and you love yourself and the higher octave of love that he's sending if you're ready for it is the love of God and the love of others and the love of self as others which is the second step of loving others as self so that's it for now guys he's just smiling at me now <laughs> all right there's that there's that beautiful energy all right that's it i love you lord krishna thank you for 
being with us. It is my supreme and utter devotion to be here. Because in my serving the one will, I serve you. In serving you, I serve the one will. Thank you for your listening and your really, um, you're really going to achieve something great if you listen and pay attention to the information that was given and you hear the light codes that were given. It will help you achieve much in this life, especially if you utilize the energy as well as the enlightening words. I am Lord Krishna and it has been an absolute and supreme pleasure to being with you today. And transmission. Well guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Metaphysical Soul Speak the Podcast. I am absolutely in a deep, deep trance. Boy, I thought I was going to fall asleep. I think you might have taken over my voice a couple times. He asked me if it's possible, if it was necessary, that he can really powerfully work through me. And he's the only one I have said yes to. Yeshua has never asked. I would say yes to him, but yes is directly in his name. Yes, Hua. (laughs) Yes, Hua. I never thought about that right now. Yeshua. (laughs) But yeah, um, Lord Krishna is really active on the, I'm going to be with you and loving you front. You got to love that. I'm glad we have a lot of spiritual masters and avatars working on our ascension along with us. That will help us go a lot faster. I don't know if you heard, but a bunch of birds just started. Wow. Bunch of tropical birds just started seeing it right when I said that. All right, that's it, guys. I um, will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. Tomorrow we are going to cover Divine Restraining Orders. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting show. All right, that's it for now. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys. Peace. guys, I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a while now, and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from $0.99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount 
via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't uh, obligated monthly in any way, and you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep Metaphysical Soul Speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.